0: Well, hello, Notre Dame football fans. Welcome to the premiere installment of Hey Horka on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel. My name is Darren Pritchett. I handle all of the sports duties here in South Bend on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. In fact, Tyler Horca is on my radio show, which you can hear from 5 to 7 each weekday on WSBTradio.com at 960 AM. And Tyler Horka, of course, is the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, BlueandGold.com. Well, Tyler, good to see you. Really happy to be a part of this show. Why don't you give our viewers a little idea what they should expect during the Notre Dame football
1: season? Yeah, well, well, first of all, look at that little fancy banner up there with my name on it and everything. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah. Shout out to the uh, the graphics team at ON3. They kill it for us all the time. Anytime we have a request like that, they put it in and, and they do awesome work. Let's just talk about this show really quickly firsthand. Um, I've been doing a Hey Horka column for... Our website for a while now. And basically, I solicit questions from our awesome subscribers at blueandgold.com, and they come up with some really awesome ones. And like you were saying, Darren, we even use some of those on our Saturday uh, pregame show. And I think that makes for a really good segment. It's just as good in audio and visual form as it is in written form. So I was like, hey, man, why don't we do a a show weekly? Um, so I'm going to ask those guys questions at blueandgold.com every single Sunday, which obviously during a normal game week, that's going to be the day after a game. And then we'll dive into them Monday afternoon. So we'll be talking about at this time next week, we'll be talking about what happened against Navy and we'll be previewing Tennessee State. And there's, there's just so many endless possibilities where we can go with this. Uh, and you'll see today. I mean, Notre Dame hasn't even played a game yet and we're going to be able to talk. A lot of Notre Dame football. I've been at fall camp the last three weeks and yeah, we're just going to dive into it every single Monday. I think this is going to be awesome. Uh, obviously, we'll be monitoring the live comments as well. So uh, we, we do have those questions that I get from the message board every single Sunday. But if you guys have questions that you want to throw in live, uh, we'll be monitoring the chat. Mike Singer, obviously, is, is monitoring the chat as well. He does an awesome job with our YouTube. And I think this is going to be an awesome addition to it as well. We're, we're really going to, uh, like I said, get into all things Notre Dame football on Monday. So let's, let's do it right now.
0: Yeah. Hey, my thanks to Mike Singer. Gave me my start on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel with our recruiting updates. So really looking forward to talking Notre Dame football with you every Monday at 3 o'clock Eastern time here on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel. Let me start you off with a question from your Hey Horkin mailbag. And Johnson Miles has a question for you. What does the national media have wrong about Notre Dame football in 2023?
1: Yeah, I thought this would be an excellent headline uh, just because it kind of grabs your attention for sure. And I think it's something I saw over and over and over again, just kind of reading ESPN, CBS, uh, maybe even if it's a national uh person from the athletic or anyone like that. And they just time and time again, they said, yes, Sam Hartman's coming into Notre Dame and the offense is going to be completely revamped. And he's got a way better offensive line than he had at Wake Forest. And I said, okay, he's got a better offensive line. There's no question about that. I mean, I, I watched all 12 games of Wake Forest last year. It was very porous. It was leaky. He was running for his life, getting sacked. Those interceptions that you see, it's because of that. But if you cover Notre Dame like, like you and I do, and we're talking about this team 365, you know, 365 days a year, we know that the offensive line lost two graduate student guards from last year's team and Jarrett Patterson and Josh Lugg. Now, were they the best guards in the world? Probably not. I mean, but a lot of teams around the country would take them, and they were really good players. And you have to replace those two guys. And I mean, that's two-thirds of the interior of the offensive line. Zeke Corral, also a really good player. People would take him around the country. But when you surround him with a couple of guys who, I mean, right now, let's just talk about what Marcus Freeman said earlier today in his Monday press conference. Pat Coogan and Rocco Spindler have earned the starting guard jobs for Notre Dame. Two weeks ago, nobody thought that was possible. Three weeks ago, nobody thought that was possible. Nobody was talking about Pat Coogan or Rocco Spindler. Now, you like to see it because that's development, but what does it say about Billy Stroud, who was supposed to start at left guard? Or what does it say – about Andrew Kristofik, who is a graduate student who has starts under his belt, who was supposed to start at right guard. So I think there are concerns. And what the national media has wrong is that Notre Dame, just because it's Notre Dame, offensive line, university, whatever you want to call it, is going to be stout and protect Sam Hartman up front. I'm not so sure about that there. And what, what, you know, what do you say?
0: Well, I think one thing that stands out for me to build on your conversation is the fact that Sam Hartman, at Wake Forest, you could argue last year had probably better top two wide receivers than what he might have going into this season. Now, there is the potential for this batch of Notre Dame receivers to be as good as last year's Wake Forest group, but Wake Forest, I felt like watching video of them last year, their wide receivers were a little better for Holton to throw to than what Notre Dame had last year. Now, I think Jaden Thomas is going to be – The premier wide receiver on this football team, I think he still needs to work on getting separation. That's going to be, I think, very, very important. Tobias Merriweather is going to be probably a starter. Is he ready for this opportunity? You got Chris Tyree moving to slot. So there's a lot of moving parts, and we haven't even mentioned Michael Mayer's not back, who was the go-to guy for Drew Pine, whether he was open or not last year. Now, they've got capable replacements, but it's almost like bullpen by committee to put it together at the tight end spot. So, yeah, I don't think you just throw the ball out there and it's going to click. Now, I think at the end of the year, I think this offense will be better than last year. But I think another factor, too, is, Tyler, we haven't had Jared Parker call a play yet. How different is he going to be than Tommy Reese? Is he going to be more into play action with Sam Hartman, who I think is going to make a lot better decisions in getting the ball out quickly? If the pressure's coming, he'll dump it off. I think we've seen that in practice so far. So, yeah, at the end of the day, I think the offense is going to be better but I'm just not going to jump all in right off the bat because there are pieces coming together and a lot of youth that has bigger roles this year.
1: Yeah. And I'll give the national media credit for that because I think they're on the same page as you and saying, okay, yeah, they have Hartman, but a lot of those other things that you just mentioned are question marks. It's just that offensive line piece is the one that I kept circling to and Uh, You would like that to be the strength because when an offensive line is strong, you have a guy like Sam Hartman. I think he's going to throw it for a bunch of yards and a bunch of touchdowns. But uh, we can just talk a little bit briefly about what I've seen in fall camp too. And I know Marcus Freeman today spoke very highly of Coogan and of Spindler and said those guys went out and earned the job. From my vantage point, I saw it more as Shrouth and Christophic just not holding their keep. And it's just very puzzling to me that I mean, this thing happened within like the first week of camp. You roll Shrouth and you roll Kristoffic out there and everyone's like, "Okay, yep, this is status quo. This is exactly what we were expecting. And then we show up on the first Monday of camp. So literally five days after camp opened and you have two different guys at the guard spots and you're just thinking, when the heck did this happen? So you like to believe Freeman and and believe him 100 percent when he says, yeah, those guys earned it. But did they earn it that quickly? And I mean, kudos to them for holding it through the rest of camp because I every day when I would go back into camp, I'd be like, all right, today is the day that we see Billy Shroud at left guard. These games are going to stop playing. Right. But That wasn't the case. So um, and I know you weren't out there for those practices, Darren, but what was it kind of interesting to you to just see how it unfolded and that like, it was just a clean swap.
0: The, the people I talked to Shroud seemed like he was more of the lock to yeah. start compared to Spindler. At right guard and the two situations kind of spun differently. Where Spindler became the guy and Shrouth now is the backup. So I'm really surprised and jumped Shrouth. I'd heard a lot about Shroud being extremely physical, and that's what we've heard a lot about in camp, Tyler. Is this football team from the day one of camp they wanted to be physical. They wanted to have that mentality throughout camp yet trying to save the body of the guys, which kind of leads me to this. There's been a lot of talk about the physicality in this camp. And I think there's been more trash talking in this camp than a lot of Notre Dame fall camps. Did you notice a difference in the physicality this year in practice compared to last year?
1: I, I think so. Um, but but then again, we're sitting here today talking about how Notre Dame has way less injuries. If you watch the Marcus Remus freeman press conference talked about how everyone was healthier this camp less soft tissue stuff uh, less dehydration i think he even threw out a number like 79 percent. so uh, I, I think they were able to be more physical because honestly they were doing less uh there were like 17 period practices i vividly remember last year seeing some practices go up over the 20 period mark maybe even close to 25 periods so if you have less periods theoretically you can go harder in those periods And I I think that was a big thing for Notre Dame uh, to to just not overexert themselves when they're playing in week zero. I mean, yeah, they started camp a little bit earlier than they normally would if they were going to play week one, but you don't want to be there on July 26th and say, yeah, we're going to do a 25 period practice and we're going to be as physical as we want. So I think it was more pointed and, and that correlates to Marcus Freeman just being more intentional with everything that he does. I mean, This guy's way smarter as a second-year head coach than he was as a first-year head coach. You always talk about freshmen making leaps from freshman year to sophomore year, right? Freeman kind of did that in his own way from year one to year two. And obviously, no football has been played yet, but uh, I think it's the the physicality was more pointed and, and directional and intentional in the way that they went about it, and they're probably a better football team for it.
0: Make sure our people watching this video right now like this particular conversation, and also subscribe to the channel. Blue and Gold, of course, has many videos throughout the year talking Notre Dame football. Hey, Hork is up live right now here on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel. Before we leave depth chart conversation, let me sneak in this. When you look at the running back depth chart that Notre Dame released today, Audrick SMA, number one, no surprise. Jabron Payne is listed as number two. Is that kind of a word salad to start the year? Is he truly the number two or is this disguising something for Navy?
1: I Look, I was very impressed with him in the spring, but in the fall, I mean, you add Jeremiah Love to the mix. You have Devin, at Devin Ford from Penn State to the mix. I thought he looked tremendous, and I, I was honestly expecting to walk in there today, get the depth chart or, or check your phone when I was walking into the – press conference to see Devin Ford's name, number two, just because he has all that experience. And to me, him and Jadarian Price, there's another name, were kind of uh, 2A and 2B all fall. And it, it turns out uh, you hear Marcus Freeman speak glowingly about Jabron Payne today. I, I thought it was awesome. I thought it was a testament to not just him, but that running back group. Uh, he's in a spot where he's not the flashy five-star like Jeremiah Love. He's not the hot commodity coming off an Achilles injury like Jadarian Price, and he's not the transfer in from Penn State like Devin Ford. So he's kind of like the guy that has two carries and five yards in his career that needs to prove himself from week one or week zero, mind you. And, And I think he's put himself in a position from a very strong spring. And then obviously in the fall, yeah, it's a little bit more crowded of a room, but. Uh, outside of rolling his ankle there midway through camp, he was he was awesome, and I, I believe every word that Marcus Freeman said about him today—that uh, consistency, protection, ball security—all those things—he's he, a solid guy.
0: I might throw this into: we have to watch the weather forecast in Dublin. If it is a soggy track, that might affect Jadarian Price's touches yeah. early on of the season, coming off the Achilles.
1: Yeah, for sure, and, and maybe even Jeremiah Love too, because if you think he's the track speedster, you want to get him out uh, on a. On a fast track, I don't think that's going to be a particularly fast track. Uh, but, yeah, I've been looking at the weather in Ireland for a couple weeks now because I'm going to be heading out, <clears throat> heading out there. And uh, it, it looks like it's going to be like what watching like a British Open or something. They're going to be <laughs> playing football in those kinds of conditions. So, hey, what more would you want from a week zero game to kick things off and so a little bit of football weather in August? I think we're all excited to see J- Jadarian on the field. After that blue goal game in
0: 2022, where he dazzled us, now we're waiting for that next opportunity. Tyler, let's go to another question. A Horka from AB10. He wants to know over under 1,300 yards for the Notre Dame freshman receivers.
1: It's like every single time I look at that number. Um, and yeah, and, and shout out to the uh, user that threw it out there. I think it's perfect because one day I'm like, yeah, over for sure. But then the next I'm like, we probably need to temper expectations with these guys as as good as they are. Um, You know, Jaden Greathouse, Rico Flores, and Braylon James might factor into that too. I wrote it at HeyOrca on blueandgold.com. That dude can give you a 75 yard touchdown and chip into that number pretty easily. Braylon James, kind of like Tobias Meriwether last year. His one catch went for 41 yards. I wouldn't be surprised if Braylon James is a little bit ahead of that and maybe gives you two or three of those. But the question is, Say, Jaden Greathouse, and I'll let you have the floor here too because you probably have these numbers swirling around in your head. You think he gets to 600, 700 yards? Like, is that a ceiling for him? I don't think he can be a 1,000-yard receiver in year one, can he, Greathouse?
0: That's an awfully big stretch. To me, it just feels like with the way Hartman is going to see the field, he's going to process a lot better – I think the information given him by the defense and the quarterbacks last year, I could just see a lot of different guys. Tyler contributing. I think it's going to be hard for the freshman to get that high. I love Great House. I think we all agree Rico Flores looks like a tremendous route runner. I Think he's got to get physically stronger, but those guys are going to contribute. But how much playing time is Deion Cole is he going to get? He's kind of lost in the shuffle. You got all these rising stars and Thomas and Merriweather and. The old guy, Tyree, moving from running back to receiver. You got the young guns, but Colsey's kind of in the middle. He's he's lost in the shuffle. I think I'm wondering how he fits into this whole equation, which also factors into answering this question.
1: Yeah, and, and that's the way I thought about it earlier, too, was uh, you if you think that Sam Hartman's going to throw for 3,000 to 3,500 yards, maybe. I don't see him getting up near 4,000, but 3,500 still be a lot of yards. And you think – three true freshmen are going to contribute over a third or, or right at about a third of that. Tough for me to say over here. So I'm going to say under, but again, I'm going to go barely under. I think Jaden Greathouse can give you 600 yards as a true freshman. I think he's that good. He looks great. Rico Flores jr. I put him at 400, 500 yards. So all of a sudden you're already knocking on the door, maybe over a thousand with just those two guys. I think the, X factor in like the roundabout way is what can Braylon James give you? Cause if he can give you upward of 200 yards, then all of a sudden I think maybe you're knocking on that 1300 yard uh, plateau or whatever you want to call it. But man, that, it, it, Darren, how cool is it to be having this conversation about freshman wide receivers? And it's not a matter of if they're going to produce, but how much are they going to produce? I mean, I think that's a testament to Chancey Stuckey recruiting, and these guys themselves, too. You you mentioned it with Rico Flores Jr. Um, running routes and Jaden Greathouse running routes, just getting open as true freshmen. Uh, not, I mean, they don't have problems getting on the field like Tobias Merriweather did. They're getting on the field, and then they're getting open. And that's another guy that we have to add into this equation. You mentioned what is Deion Colsey going to give you. I think Tobias Merriweather can give you a lot more than one catch for 41 yards. So, <laughs> uh, the th- potential is through the roof with these wide receivers they just have to prove it and obviously that includes the true freshmen
0: AB 10 should ask this question again next year yeah we get that freshman wide receiver group in
1: exactly yeah no, that that's that's stacking classes right Mike Singer can tell you a lot about stacking recruiting classes and you don't just get the one elite class and then say all right these are our guys you get the elite class and then you say can we get a better class and I think that's Chancey Stuckey's mindset Tyler, did you see
0: Domer Wap? He's got a thought for you. Tyler, well done with Andy yeah. Staples.
1: No, yeah, that was awesome when, when Andy texted me last week. I was actually having some car issues, and we were supposed to do that video a little bit earlier than we did. But um, I got back later that day. I think we recorded a video at like 6 or 7 p.m. But that guy, talk about 24-7, around the clock, always filming, always doing something. That That guy's a superstar. I actually got to meet him. When I was covering Mississippi State and he asked me to go on his Sirius XM radio show and I was like, this is the coolest thing ever because he's a rock star in, in this business and on three is lucky to have. him. Taylor, what about one of our sponsors making all this possible? Yeah, let's uh, give a shout out to Augie's locker room. So here's their website right here. If you're a Notre Dame fan and you're going to a uh, Notre Dame game this fall, this place is less than a mile away from campus it feels like walking into a Notre Dame football history museum. I mean, and there's no better program in the country to have something like this than Notre Dame. When you think about, I mean, you see Newt, Rock, Newt Rockney's face all over here. Uh, some cool deals here. They actually gave us some uh, copy I'm going to read, but like, I, I, you don't even really need to read the copy to know that if you're going to South bend, you have to go to Augie's locker room. Uh, it's, it's Notre Dame football season, obviously. And when you come for a game, like I've been saying, got to go to Agni's locker room. Jerseys, uh, stadium pieces, helmets, autographs, one of a kind Newt Rockney items. I mean, you're only going to find them here at Agni's locker room. Uh, exclusive Joe Montana signed items, famous sculptor Jerry McKenna's replicas of bronze statues around the stadium. I mean, I see those every single day. Ara Parcesian, Dan Devine, Newt Rockney himself. Um, the guy who made those. Has stuff in, in Augie's locker room. It's incredible. Uh, new items all the time. If he doesn't have something in store, he'll find it for you. So the uh, you should probably see the location here, but I'll give it to you anyway. 1811 South Bend Avenue. Um, there's a vintage helmet display dating back to 1890 in here. It, it's incredible. Uh, the first time I walked in there, I think I was two months on the beat or something. And I went in there and I was like, this is... If, if you love Notre Dame football and you've never been to Auggie's Locker Room, uh, you're doing it wrong. So, Auggieslockerroom.com. Room.com, that's where you're going to find this right here. And then, phone number is 574 277 6363. Just, Darren, have you been to Auggie's Locker Room? I'm sure you have. have. Yes. At, Amazing. Like, and I walked in there, and like here's an example of something that he's got going on in there. I think a lot of people who know me on blueandgold.com knows that I'm from Texas and I went to Texas. He's got some long horn, like a steer's horns hanging on the wall from one of those cotton bowls way back in the 1970s or maybe even 1960s. Like, it, it literally has something for everyone. If you're a college football connoisseur, Augie's locker room, the way to go. And actually, uh oh, got a little T-shirt here. So, best advertisement is when you got props. Yeah. There's an Auggies locker room t-shirt too. So I'm I'm sure you could get one of those to remember your time there, but I I love the place personally.
0: All right. Let's reset. This is Hey Horka, the debut installment. We're going to be here every Monday at three o'clock Eastern time on the blue and gold YouTube channel. He's Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated. I'm Darren Pritchett from WSBT Radio in South Bend. We actually got to know each other since I called the Notre Dame hockey games on the radio. You've been many a times to the Compton Family Ice Arena, so we have that love of fighting Irish hockey. But right now we're in football season. I think the hockey season's 49 days away or so. So let's get into another question from the Hey Horka mailbag. This is from Nighthawk fan 69 He wants to know, how many Notre Dame freshmen realistically contribute in 2023? Why don't we start on the offensive side of the football and we'll move forward.
1: Yeah. Nighthawk. um, That dude is awesome. Like this is the reason you got to go to blueandgold.com, be a part of this message board community, because you're going to, your questions are going to end up here on this show. And I think that's pretty awesome, but just the behind the scenes, what we're talking about Notre Dame football every single day is awesome too. I think, To answer his question, there is a core group of probably – let me pull up what I was uh, working on earlier. I think there's like a handful of freshmen who are going to burn their red shirts from the two deep, and I'll give you the list of those players. We talked about two of them extensively already. Jaden Greathouse, Rico Flores Jr., those guys are going to play. Notre Dame needs them to play. The wide receiver core is not complete without them. Uh, Jeremiah Love. Talked about him a little bit earlier, the, the running back. I think he plays. Dylan McCullough has been calling this a five-headed running back monster. Hmm. A five-headed monster is not complete without the fifth head, right? And if Jeremiah Love is going to be that, then you have to have him play. And then defensively, um, I think Drake Bowen is really the only guy that I'm looking at. Where And, and someone else has come into that conversation in the last couple of weeks of fall camp. Probably Christian Gray, the yeah. cornerback. Because – yeah, you probably need four corners to play throughout the course of a season. And Notre Dame, that was a storyline in fall camp. Notre Dame was really, really looking for that fourth corner. And I think it ended up being the freshman Christian Gray had an awesome, awesome, awesome fall camp. So that's probably your list of five guys who are going to play and, and burn their red shirt. Uh, just like not even special teams or anything because they're playing offensively, because they're playing defensively. I'll throw out some other names that are potential guys who i mean it wouldn't surprise me if we get the mid-november and it's like whoa yeah this guy's played in four or five games because notre dame needed him Jaden Osberry, the linebacker bubacar Triore, the edge rusher who i mean there were times in fall camp where i was like this dude is one of the best that notre dame has at getting to the quarterback right now and he didn't really play any reps with the ones so it's not like he was going up against joe Alt or blake fisher but Triore is a is a monster and i think the coaching staff is high on him. Preston Zinter is one of those young linebackers that if you are going to have a rotation at linebacker, I think he factors in there somewhere, kind of like Osberry, kind of like Bowen. The tight end position, Darren, you were mentioning earlier, kind of a little bit of a crapshoot. No Michael Mayer. Kevin Bauman's already done for the season. Uh, what's Eli Raritan's status? I, I don't even think he ended up on the depth chart today. So, um, it, like, I don't know if he's going to be one of those core four guys or you don't really need core four guys at the tight end position, but Cooper Flanagan could factor in. I would not be surprised. And then I think somebody, um, uh, in the comments here a little bit early on, did someone say something about Jordan Faison uh, or was I just dreaming that? I I think someone might've said, what about Jordan Faison? What about Jordan Faison? I, I think he might factor into this thing as well. Walk on wide receiver has a lacrosse scholarship at Notre Dame just an athlete, man. And if you're talking about a wide receiver room that has all these freshmen, might as well add another one into the mix. Um, but yeah, that, that's probably who you're looking at. Did I leave anyone off there? And who, who are you watching? I think you, nailed the,
0: you nailed the ones I would have talked about. And just to follow up with what you mentioned, the tight end depth chart release today, Mitchell Evans one, Holden stays two, and the utility knife and Davis Sherwood is listed yeah. as number three.
1: The H back. And here it is. Uh, it was Chris P. Bacon with a little pig uh, <laughs> avatar there who was asking about Jordan Faison. So, hey, man, fall camp is where you earn your reps, at least early on in the season. And he, and he was looking great. So, if we're going to talk about freshmen who are going to play, I guess we shouldn't limit it to scholarship players because Jordan Faison was, uh, was pretty good in camp.
0: I'm going to go back to something that one of our viewers asked earlier on in the comment section. Just to get your thoughts on the separation between Steve Angeli and Kenny Minchie, was there a considerable gap between the two? And how improved is Angeli, in your opinion, compared to last year?
1: Well, here, uh, I'm going to shout out AeroFan624. He, he, I didn't choose his question today because I didn't want to stir anybody up, really. But hey, if oh, I just did, didn't I? <laughs> no, you did. And that's fine. That's what these YouTube videos are, are for. We, we want to get people talking. And obviously people want to talk about Notre Dame quarterbacks. Um, Aerofan624, uh, I'm, I'm on my uh, Hey Horka article right here. Uh, he asked, you've been around for the last two fall camps. And really this was my third at Notre Dame. But yes, I, I covered the last two. He said rank the quarterback performances of the last two fall camps Sam Hartman, Tyler Buckner, obviously were the leaders at, uh, you know, the guys who were supposed to start going into the year, and they both did week one. I mean, Sam Hartman is going to start on Saturday. Sam Hartman, Tyler Buckner, Steve Angeli, Drew Pine, rank their camps from the last uh, two years, and now that's that's really subjective and, and kind of difficult to do. But this is this is my ranking, and, and here's where I'm going to I'm going to stir some things up. <laughs> Number one, I went Steve Angeli. Of this year was the best quarterback fall camp that I saw. My, Mike Singer's behind the scenes, smiling at us right now. To Sam Hartman, he was great. I mean, it was close. It was close. I went three Drew Pine, and then I went four Tyler Buckner. I thought Drew Pine looked better than Tyler Buckner. Now, in my caveats here, and, I, and the comments are probably already rolling in here. um That I, if you look at that, Steve angelia is a backup, and then Drew Pine is also a backup, and they were ahead of their respective starters. So. That tells me that Notre Dame is not pressing their starter to really perform in fall camp. They're, they're not saying, hey, you got to go out there and earn this because it's already yours. It was Tyler Buckner's last year, no, no matter what they say about naming a guy two weeks in or whatever it was. And then this year, clearly Sam Hartman. So if you get back to your question, how much has Steve Angeli separated from Kenny Minchie? I think it's pretty considerable right now. And that's a testament to Steve Angeli because. He got here a full year earlier than Kenny Minchie did, and he's made good on that year tremendously. I mean, it started with the the blue-goal game in 2022, right? The, the kid rolls out and scores a touchdown to win the game. And I know it's just a spring game, but that's some moxie. That's what you're looking for. Um, there was a reporter in Marcus Freeman's press conference today, wh- immediately when I walked in the room. And, and this will tell you everything that you need to know about Steve Angeli. Mike Singer is going to be smiling in the background again. Veteran reporter on the Notre Dame beat, he knows who he is, asked me, hey, Tyler, you had a stat on Steve Angeli from that full practice that we watched at school field a couple weeks ago, right? And I said, yeah, Um, I think I know it off the top of my head because it was that good. There was a section of that practice where the quarterbacks went three on three with wide receivers and defensive backs. Steve Angeli completed the first 10 passes he threw. I think he only threw 10 passes. He was 10 for 10. Never threw an incomplete pass. Sam Hartman in the same session going against the same defenders, working with the same wide receivers. It wasn't ones and twos that time. It was a smorgasbord. You, you just kind of threw it like a charcuterie board. You threw it out there and everybody was using everybody. Sam Hartman was 7 of 12. So Steve Angeli went 10 of 10. And then in 11 on 11, I think Steve Angeli was better that day too. So if you're just looking at fall camps, I think Steve Angeli had the best one of any quarterback I've Notre Dame quarterback I've seen the last two years. And no, is he going to start if, if Sam Hartman's healthy? Absolutely not. But does Notre Dame have a better situation at backup quarterback right now than it did last year? And I'm a Drew Pine guy. I respected him. He did his job. He went eight and two. But I think the total elevation of the Notre Dame quarterback room, led by Steve Angeli being a backup, has just heightened. And that's a testament to him. Yeah,
0: No question. Very interesting. Very interesting list.
1: Yeah, okay. shout out to fan too. I know, I know. I wasn't supposed to talk about that today, but I'm sure he's listening. He's a great part of our board, just another one of those guys that you need to need to sign up at blueandgold.com. Uh look at that kickoff sale, 50% off for the first year. So none of that $99 stuff. I mean, that that is a great, great deal. And look, $99 isn't bad either. I if you want to be a part of the best Notre Dame message board community that exists. is a steal. You're getting it for half off there. Cannot beat it, especially this time of year.
0: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. And Steve just made a comment in regards to Angeli. how much eligibility does he have left? And just to pass that along, he's in the sophomore class, but he's also a freshman in terms of eligibility. Right. Okay, here's another question for Hey Horker. This comes from KCNDMISS97. What area of Notre Dame's team are you most confident in and also most concerned about let's begin with what you're most confident in
1: it's sam hartman and i know i just spent five minutes talking up steve angeli but when you have a veteran quarterback and marcus freeman talked about it in his press conference today no 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 replacement for experience i mean that you have a guy that started 45 games at this level it's invaluable and he's done a really good job in those 45 games too. 110 touchdown passes That's not bad. Uh, The interception numbers are a little bit high. I get that, but that's Wake Forest. This is Notre Dame. I think those numbers are going to come down a little bit. I don't think you see Sam Hartman throw double digit interceptions, but I guarantee you he throws at least 30 touchdown passes. He's flirted with 40 the last two years. Uh, That's what I'm most confident in. Now, if we transition to what am I most uh, concerned about, it's kind of twofold. It's Jared Parker as a play caller. And and look, we're we're getting all of the Marcus Freeman uh, stones out of the way, right? Like we're touching every stone, touching every base here because he talked about that today in his press conference as well. You have a guy in Jared Parker who they literally had to intentionally throw in unscripted sessions to Notre Dame fall camp practices this year because he just doesn't have much experience as a play caller. And Marcus Freeman was like, hey, I want to see what you do in this situation. Go. This We're not going to script this. I want to see how you react to what a defense does. Uh, maybe you have second and eight, but maybe you have second and 18, and I want to see how you fare. So I'm most concerned about it because it's the great unknown. Is it not, Darren? I mean, we don't know what this – off like we, we just spent three weeks in fall camp uh, trying to figure out what Jared Parker is as an offensive play caller. We learned a lot but we won't know until we see it against Navy and then Tennessee state and all these other teams on the schedule. That's just the truth.
0: Well, it's a great situation for coach Parker to fall into when you've got a veteran quarterback leading your offense as you really truly jump into the world of calling plays. I know at West Virginia, there's some uncertainty kind of how much he was involved, but he's got Sam Hartman to work with. That's great. You got two anchor tackles that everybody loves to begin with. So he's got, A lot of good players to start with. And in terms of confident, I'm going to throw in the running back room. I know there's guys who have not been on the football field yet, but based on everything we know about them and we see about them, this can be a really explosive group. And also I want to throw this out to you as well. I'm obviously really confident in the cornerback position. If Cam Hart stays healthy and Benjamin Morrison does what he did last year, in fact, even gets better, Look at the opportunities Al Golden has being the defensive coordinator. You have two corners that you can kind of put on an island and feel really good about. Then all of a sudden, Tyler, he can open up his entire playbook. If he wants to bring all sorts of exotic pressures, he can do that. It's just such a great luxury to have two corners that you can believe in. I think that just opens the door for Al Golden to be extremely creative during this football season. We may not see it the first two weeks because it's Navy and Tennessee State, but I can't wait to see what they might do against Brendan Armstrong and North Carolina State.
1: Yeah, to your point about the corners, uh, I want to show something really quick here. Uh, Not that. This. There we go. Sorry about that, guys. Um, I ranked the position groups after fall camp last week. And tight end, we talked about the – you know, not knowing what Notre Dame has there. safety. It's pretty much the same group as, as last year. Um, you only really added Antonio Carter and a bunch of freshmen, but coming down the list here, I, I said I'm most confident in Sam Hartman, but the number one overall position group on this team, I think is the cornerbacks because you have an all American in Benjamin Morrison, you have a guy in cam Hart who, uh, he looks like an NFL corner with his length and whatnot. So I think the cornerbacks, if if, if you really break down just like position group by position group, number one position group on this team. And it was, like I said, in that article, it was hard for me not to put quarterback number one because you do have Sam Hartman, but you also have Benjamin Morrison and Cam Hart. I think Jaden Mickey might be the best number three corner in the country. uh, Christian gray is getting to that point and he's only a freshman. It's like, Holy cow. The wealth of riches there and like you said when you have literal halves and, and thirds and whatever coverage you're playing locked down because of the cornerbacks you can do so much as a defensive play caller so i think al golden is really liking his situation and i, I think jared parker kind of likes his too but jared parker's probably a little bit nervous having to call these plays for like the first time and. Uh, two or three years. And like we said, we don't, I think Neil Brown was doing most of the the play calling there. Uh, I'll never forget asking Jared Parker. I think it was maybe in the spring. um, You know, what was the play calling situation at West Virginia? And he was just, he didn't really tell us flat out. Now, if he was the play caller, I think he would have said, yeah, I called those plays and you know, I had some good ones and the bad ones, but he said, yeah, it was a little bit of an interesting situation. So that to me is why I'm most concerned about Parker's because we don't know. It's he's the great unknown and he's in charge of the whole thing. Sam Hartman operates the whole thing, but Jared Parker is still in his ear and over his head. So it's going to be interesting.
0: You know, Tyler, two of my concerns coming into fall camp. One was offensive guard, and we addressed that earlier in our conversation. The other was defensive line, in particular, the number twos along the defensive line. I'm wondering how differently you feel about the defensive line from when camp started to where we are right
1: now. Uh, And Marcus Freeman, again, we're hitting on all of these press conference nuggets and I love it. And that's part of the reason I love doing this show on Monday, because we can incorporate the things that the message board users are asking us, but we can also reference what Marcus Freeman said. He said he'd be lying if he were to come out and say, uh, no, I wasn't surprised that this is what we have at the defensive line. I knew this. I don't even think he knew that these guys were going to be that good. I wrote about it at blueandgold.com. maybe in that article that I just referenced ranking the position groups, maybe something else. There's so much content at blueandgold.com. You guys got to get there because, uh, cover Notre Dame, like nobody else. And that's the truth. But I do remember writing. It, there were portions of fall camp practice where, I mean, the twos on the interior defensive line, Gabriel Rubio, Jason Onye looked just as good as Riley Mills and Howard cross. And let me tell you, Riley Mills and Howard cross looked very, very good. And again, that's kind of products of ones going up against ones, twos and twos, whatever it is. But, uh, and Marcus Freeman said it today, there were times where he was like, you know what? I I think Jason Anya could be a one. I'm going to throw him into the middle. Um, Gabriel Rubio's playing like a one. Let's put him in the middle. Uh, And that's where the defense starts. We talk about how good the cornerbacks are, but um, yeah, coverage sacks are a thing for sure. But sacks, sacks are, are also a thing. And that's the defensive line going to work. So I think you're going to see pass rush from the interior defensive line. And I also think you're going to see run stopping like like it's solid across the board. The one um, I wouldn't say great unknown, because I think Notre Dame is going to generate some pass rush. But maybe that's the weak link as we sit here right now. We don't know if Jordan Patello can be a 10 sack guy like Javante Jean Baptiste. Can he get seven to 10 sacks? I'm not sure. Like they're going to have to prove it to me. But I do know those guys playing on the inside of them. Great, great football players, and this Notre Dame defensive line looks good.
0: Another question for Hey Horka on this Monday. How does Notre Dame keep all five running backs happy? That comes from CMAC 406. And I'll preface this by you were a guest on my show all last year, and the conversation yeah. we had pretty often was, in in our opinion, just not saying we're right. But we kind of like two running back rotations. Of course, last year, there was the three running back rotation. So, Tyler, sell me on a five running back rotation how everybody stays happy.
1: Yeah, so there's the running backs there if you're watching on YouTube. Um, the, the five scholarship guys that we're talking about, obviously, Audric Estime, Jabron uh, Payne, Jadarian Price, Jeremiah Love, and Devin Ford, the Penn State transfer. I mean, that's a mouthful just right there. Uh, yeah. Just talking about all the guys that can get in. And yeah, Darren, you're right. Last year, I mean, I remember sitting in that room and uh, Fighting Irish Media room, whatever it is, in Notre Dame Stadium. And countless times we were just talking about, man, they better go two back system today because that's the way you're going to get this thing done. Two back system, two back system. And I think the conversation here is, it kind of, to me, starts with that third back last year, Chris Tyree. He went into this year like January and even all the way through April when Logan Diggs was still on this team thinking I've got to get out of that running back room because even at a hundred carries, that wasn't enough for me. Like I, I need to do more. I'm running out of eligibility. Now, the good thing is with Notre Dame now they have a lot of younger guys. So maybe you don't have Janarian price or Jeremiah love getting angry that they're not getting touches. Cause I mean, one of those guys, they both have four years of eligibility left. Let's put it that way. Um, but yeah, if you get later and later into the season and um, maybe Notre Dame wants to go the feed Audrick Estime route and he's got upwards of like 30 carries in one game because he can shoulder that load at 233 pounds. Uh, then you start thinking if you're Devin Ford or Jabron your Payne, you're like, what about me? What about me now? You can't get into the mind of one of these 20-year-old you know kids and they're going to think, and you think that they're being coached the right way and they're not going to get, Selfish or anything like that. But I mean, they're thinking about the, their own careers and whatnot as well. So I think that's an interesting part of it. Now, the answer to the question though is I think they're all gonna have their their moments. I just don't think there's any way that you have five guys having a moment or more in specific, like singular games. One game could be the Audrey Gaston show. Maybe the next day it's the Jabron Payne show. Maybe Jeremiah Love can't be stopped one day, and you're like, okay, we got to feed this guy. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Um, I, I don't get carried away with the five-headed monster thing because like we were saying, Darren, three-headed monsters, sometimes that's too much. Not not every single one of those heads can eat. It's going to be interesting. The, the answer to the question is uh, you probably don't. Every single day from August 26th to November, whenever that last game is, there's going to be a couple days where Janarian Price was like, man, I was feeling really good today and I only got three carries. That is just the way that this thing's going to play out. But if Notre Dame's winning, I guarantee you it's not going to matter a whole lot. And um, Audrick Estime could be gone at the end of the year. Running back career span isn't very long. He could have an awesome year and be a third to fifth round pick next year and say, you know what, yeah, I'm going to pass this thing on to these younger guys. So patience is going to be the name of the game, but it's going to be tough to keep them uh, happy. I mean, if I was number five, but I could be number one somewhere else, That'd be a pretty tough proposition.
0: So are we going to see the old school formation again? Mitch Palooza on fourth and one. Mitch Evans going back under center this year?
1: Yeah, I think uh, my colleague, Jack Sobel, who's doing an awesome job at blueandgold.com as well, wrote about that for one of our countdown pieces the other week. Um, I think we do see it because, I mean, you had a really good running back room last year and they still went with it. So I know that they're, they're good backs this year. Probably still go with it. I mean, what did it, was it hitting like – 80 percent or something like or was it 100 percent I I don't even remember I gotta go read my colleague's uh uh piece but I mean it was working so I think we do see it
0: and you want to keep Sam Hartman healthy
1: yeah that's who no you're not not sneaking that guy I know he Sam Hartman would tell you that he wants to sneak and you know if he had to lose another rib to do it and make another necklace yeah he probably would but uh you got to keep that guy healthy
0: All right, make sure you hit the like button on our conversation here. Hey, Horka, on this Monday, it's a game week for the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Let's go to just a couple of rapid fire questions here, Tyler. How about this? What offseason question about Notre Dame are you tired of hearing?
1: Who are the starting guards going to (laughs) be? And I know this is rapid fire, so we're not going to spend too much time on this. But I just want to say today on August 21st that I am so glad that we answered it today. I was I was thinking this might linger into August 26th, and we don't know who's starting at guard until we see them out there. That's still a possibility. If you know anything about college football, and all you fine folks in the co- in the comments and everyone watching at home, I know you guys know things about college football. Depth charts don't mean a whole lot, and I know uh, Marcus Freeman spoke glowingly about those guards today, but it could be a curveball, man. Billy Shrouth, Andrew Christoffick, especially Christoffick being a graduate student who's been through these types of, you know, unique situations that Notre Dame finds itself in going to play week zero against Ireland, wouldn't be shocked, wouldn't be shocked that that's just how crazy this thing has been. But I'm, I'm super glad that we can put this who the guard, who the guards are thing to rest for now, because once one of those guys starts playing poorly, the conversation is going to go on. And you know that Darren.
0: Yeah. The question I'm tired of hearing is what conference is Notre Dame going to join? (laughs) Yeah. Again, for, for people playing the home game, let's remind everyone, as long as Notre Dame has a place for Olympic sports, as long as they have access to the playoff and as long as they have a TV deal, that's going to be in the ballpark of what other schools are getting in conferences, Notre Dame is going to be just fine. They are absolutely fine being an independent. There's no reason at the panic button at this time. Now, five years from now, if things change, you readdress it. And Pete Babakwa, who knows, down the line, might have a decision to make. But right now, Tyler, there is no reason to have this conversation. I'll say this. Is the Big Ten leaving a chair open for Notre Dame? Absolutely. They'd be foolish to take that chair away. So it's always going to be there just in case. Notre Dame would ever have to join a conference. But right now, Olympic sports, access to the playoff, which goes to 12 next year, and a TV deal, which sounds like they're in pretty good shape. I don't know why we have these conversations.
1: Yeah, Sam, uh, I finally got over that. Like, um, I, I forget if there was something specific that happened earlier this year, but maybe there was. And Notre Dame was still staunch, like we're, we're independent. Um, that's when I was like, Okay, we we actually don't have to worry about this anymore. Like w- Washington and Oregon do their thing and uh, all these teams go to the Big 12 and Notre Dame is still just hey yeah, we're independent. We're going to be here um sipping on a cocktail until you need us. Yeah. Uh, you, you know and they need they did everyone needs Notre Dame right now, but Notre Dame is set in its ways and uh like you said, if there's no reason to bolt, they're not going to bolt. So I've kind of cooled it on the like, like last year when USC and UCLA went to the Big Ten, I was like, Notre Dame's gonna have to do something here. And a, a year's been removed now, and I'm like, okay, no, this they're gonna stay put. So that's been nice, at least, to know that Notre Dame is staying put. You know who's
0: affected the most by all this conference stuff? Broadcasters. How about yeah. Brad Nessler and Gary Danielson, who've been going to filled SEC schools for how many Saturdays? You know what their first game is this year? Ohio <laughs> State this? at Indiana.
1: Yeah. Wow. It's going to be weird, man. CBS on – or uh, Big Ten on CBS. Like, I grew up in the South. So, so I mean, you know, you hear that – <laughs> that's SEC football to me. And I think I read a piece that they're going to be bringing it to the Big Ten or they're going to keep it. Like, when I hear that and Northwestern is playing Rutgers, I'm going to be there like – oh. Yeah. Is that picking up? Or right. I couldn't tell. No, it's really going no, yeah, that, that's SEC football to me. So yeah. it's going to be weird to uh, – t- times are a-changing, Darren. They, they don't hey, stop for anybody.
0: Hey, I grew up in Illinois in Big Ten country, so I'm not bashing the Big Ten. But going from Alabama and LSU and then your first games at Indiana, that's, that's tough. All right, what is the most interesting off-season nugget which not enough people are talking about?
1: Yeah, I think – and it's not a huge thing, but, like, this is the time of year for – walk on gets a uh, scholarship and it goes viral on Twitter and everyone's like, Hey, Oh yeah. Uh, I have not, uh, I've only covered a few teams and, um, you know, but believe it or not, everyone makes fun of how young I look. I do turn 28 in less than three weeks. So I have covered more than just Notre Dame in my lifetime. And I've, I've seen the way different fan bases react. I have not seen a fan base so enamored with the 85 scholarship number, the, the scholarship limit. I mean, every single day, it could be, june 7th and we'll get a question from loyal subscriber on the message board hey how are we going to get to 85 scholarships you know who, who's going to fill that out i believe notre dame's at 83 right now i should have double checked before we came on here it's been kind of sitting around there 82 83 so i'm kind of i'm kind of surprised we haven't heard hey how are we going into a season with only you know less than 85 guys on scholarships so Maybe some of this has happened internally and it like hasn't gotten broken or Notre Dame just doesn't want to release it. That's sometimes a thing, but I'm kind of uh, surprised that we haven't had a, hey, this guy's on scholarship. Now, I know Notre Dame does it at the end of the year sometimes as well, so um, we may see one of these walk-ons. Like Matt Salerno, for instance, last year was notified, I think, in January. So that could happen, but the, as it stands right now, Notre Dame's going into the season with less than uh, 85 scholarship guys. It's kind of surprising to me.
0: I don't have a great nugget. I just find it fascinating that Spencer Schrader, our new kicker, is an outstanding business person already.
1: And Okay, here's a little plug. Here's a little blue and gold okay. um, plug. I'm going to be writing about that with Spencer Schrader. He also went to Brazil to play soccer, uh, semi-professional soccer, like before he even started college, I think, so before the South Florida days. Um, spoke to his his kicking coach, spoke to his sister, who's uh, just finished her soccer career at uh in tampa i think is university of tampa sorry if i got that wrong but she was a pretty good player um record setters in, in i think it was florida high school soccer so interesting dude and then like you said he's got a couple businesses that he's started i mean this guy's five years younger than i am and he's done all these things really interesting dude go to blueandgold.com and uh and blue and gold illustrated the story will be in there in the next couple of weeks
0: Domer Wap had a comment a second ago about, hey, Notre Dame's already a member of of Big Ten Hockey. Yep, and I'll tell you what, here's my three conference ranking really quick. Big Ten, number one, has been awesome for Notre Dame, and the conference is going to be sick this year. CCHA second, Hockey East third. Hockey East was just weird. Everybody else was on the East Coast, and, boy, half the conference teams normally weren't very good. So the Big Ten, man, you can have every team ranked this year. That's how good it could be. All right, who starts at tight end, Tyler?
1: I just want to address this really quick. I shouldn't have uh, showed my hand and said how old I am because obviously I wasn't born in the 1980s, but I, I do, I am a college football connoisseur and I have gone back and watched highlights and whatnot from the eighties. I do understand that uh, that music has been around since before I was born, but I'm just saying in the household that I grew up, uh, SEC on CBS, whatever you want to call it. That was like, when I heard that it's like, Get to the TV. Darren McFadden's about to go for 280 and three touchdowns today in Arkansas playing LSU or whatever it was. Yeah, I'm showing how young I am, but that's what I grew up with. Um, <laughs> starting tight ends. This is this is very rapid fire, obviously, and I don't need to spend too much time on it. Uh, Holden, uh, Holden Stays is going to be number two. Mitchell Evans is going to be number one. That's what it was all fall camp. You remove Kevin Bauman from the equation. Eli Raritan still hasn't shown to be fully healthy. And you, Darren, mentioned earlier in the show that The uh, the H-back special, Davis Sherwood, who's not going to be catching maybe more than a couple passes this season, probably. Very serviceable and useful player, though. I like Davis Sherwood. But when he's your number three guy, uh, I I think you're pretty set with Evans, number one, and, and Stays number two. Those guys have a lot to prove. What do they have, like six catches between them in their careers? I think it is something crazy. So that's one and two, though. That's what Notre Dame's got. It doesn't have Michael Mayer.
0: Notre Dame's biggest strength and also biggest vulnerability?
1: Um, Biggest strength, and I I guess I kind of uh, maybe stepped on my toes a little bit earlier because, or maybe this question kind of goes with one of the things that we talked about earlier from the message board. But I think the biggest strength is having a quarterback who started 45 games. Like I'm going to say, I said it earlier and and I'm going to say it again. Um, Notre Dame went eight and four last year. Because of quarterback play. Let's be honest. You can't throw a pick six against Marshall at home. You're gonna end up losing that game. Um, you can't put up 14 points against Stanford. I know there were some fumbling issues and whatnot, but Drew Pine needed to make more plays in that game. And, and he told us as much. And that's why Notre Dame lost that. You look at Ohio State, you look at USC. Notre Dame wasn't equipped to get in shootouts with those types of teams last year. And when you have Sam Hartman, I think you go into that Ohio state game with a little different of a game plan. You actually say, Hey, we can beat these guys 45 to 41. If that's what it takes. Now they couldn't last year. And that's what happened. They couldn't score 38 points against USC with Drew Pine at quarterback. That's just the reality. You have Sam Hartman. I think that's, that's gotta be the biggest strength on this team. Biggest vulnerability. Uh, I already talked about the Jared Parker thing enough, so I'm not going to go there, but, um, I think it's maybe maybe we're finishing the way that we started and, and we're just talking about not a, a solid offensive line across the board right now. If you look at the 2021 season, which was the first one that I covered here for Blue and Gold, that offensive line, I mean, the, Notre Dame could have lost way more games than one if you go back to 2021. You go back to last year, you look at the offensive line, uh, the Ohio State rushers were getting through like turnstiles. mate. It, it's easier to hop on a a train in New York city than it was to get to Tyler Buckner last year at Ohio state. So um, it's the guard play for me. You're starting two guys who have never even so much as played um, a down. Like I don't think Pat Coogan's played a down in, in college football. Maybe he has on special teams. He hasn't played an offensive down. And then Rocco Spindler has yet to make his debut on offense as well. So it's going to be interesting, man. And, and and Navy's a team that can kind of give you fits in, in the pass rush game and, and definitely in uh, stopping the run. I mean, look what Navy did to Notre Dame last year in stopping the run. So I think you're going to see some uh, – a, a vulnerable – it matches the description, the, the question that you asked. Biggest vulnerability, I think it's offensive line, but I think it eventually gets fixed. That's the thing. I think by like midpoint in the season, it gets fixed. The issue is, is it fixed by Ohio State? We're going to have to see.
0: Let me ask you about one other possible vulnerability. And we had the discussion earlier that there's a good chance with the corners that Al Golden has, he's going to be able to bring some exotic pressures. But in terms of a pass rush without blitzing, is that still a vulnerability? Do you still have to kind of see this to take it off that list?
1: Yeah, I I think so. Um I mentioned Jordan Batello earlier, and I mentioned Javante Jean-Baptiste. Like, good on paper, right? It's like, hey, you, yeah. you kind of like that at Viper. You kind of like that at strong side defensive end, an athlete that uh, started his career at Ohio State. But um, uh, is it Tim Hyde? Maybe Mike Singer could tell us later that – and maybe it's somebody else that I've listened to who has said, like, there's a reason Javante, like, wasn't playing starter – snaps at ohio states because the other guys were better and then what does it say about notre dame for him to come here and all of a sudden be potentially the best pass rusher like i uh, again maybe they blossom this year and maybe those guys are fantastic and i think notre dame is going to be have a way better season because of it if those two guys can combine for 15 sacks i know isaiah foskey just got 11 on his own the last two seasons uh, so it's not quite that efficient, but they, if they can get 15 and then, like I said, I think, I think the tackles have capability to get to the quarterback, even from the interior. Yeah. Uh, I, I like Joshua Burnham. I like junior Tui Halamaka. May, maybe those guys are good in reserve. Um, but, but it starts with those two guys that I mentioned, those guys have to be good and they have to get to the quarterback, especially Batello, because I know we're asking him like to be a complete player and that's why he's going to play more this season, but, At the end of the day, his number one responsibility is go rush the passer. If he can't do that, Notre Dame's going to struggle across the line a little bit.
0: Since we're talking about pass rush, let's just throw in this nugget from today. And I know Ohio State's further down the line September 23rd. But head coach Ryan Day today would not name a starting quarterback. And he's not concerned about it. He says Kyle McCord and Devin Brown are both still competing, both playing well. And so he doesn't feel like it's one of those situations where the old saying is, When you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. In fact, he mentioned they might both play early on in the season. So McCord seemed like the odds-on favorite to win it because Brown has not seen the field. Now, McCord's only had 58 career passes, but that's definitely something to follow. Ohio State early in the season, it looks like they have a complete football team, but that quarterback position is the one element. We're waiting to see how that's going to look.
1: Yeah, and I was actually listening to uh, a podcast. I think Greg McElroy with ESPN, he's got a pretty good podcast, brings on a lot of really good guests. Uh, And he was talking about the quarterback situation there at Ohio State. And the one thing that caught my ear was Ryan Day said that what has impressed him the most about Kyle McCord was his agility and his ability to extend plays. And you're sitting there thinking – Oh, no. Like the the one thing that maybe Notre Dame has going for it against Ohio State this year and everybody else that has to play the judge or not, that is Ohio State over the last five, 10 years uh, is the fact that they're breaking in a rookie quarterback. And if that rookie quarterback, Devin McCord and or Kyle McCord and and, uh, Brown has been really good, too, with his feet. If you're not able to sack these guys and, and, and give, you know, put a little pressure on them, then I mean, it's going to be like C.J. Stroud and, and Justin Fields and all of these great guys that they've had a quarterback all over again. So that, if you're a Notre Dame fan and you got that, and I know you have that September 23rd game circled on your schedule already, uh, be a little bit worried that those quarterbacks. Now, now of course you have to make the throws,
0: yeah. but
1: if they've got escapability, maneuverability, like yikes, um, that's that's not music to the Notre Dame defensive line's ears. Let's just say that.
0: All right. Final question on our rapid fire. Can Steve Angeli start for the Irish in 2024? Well, this might take 20 minutes.
1: Yeah, if you've been with us the whole time, I kind of gave this away a little bit earlier in an impromptu segment that we had a little bit earlier. I think he can. I, I think he can. And I was on with Mike Singer and Tim Hyde two or three weeks ago, and I said the same stuff. And it prompted one of the more spirited debates I've seen from those two guys in like, honestly, like the last year I, I religiously watched that show and things have gotten a little tame. So I had to come in and like spark a debate, even though I don't, I don't think I did much that day. It, it just kind of started anyway, speaking of, it's just kind of starting. Yeah. I think Steve Angeli can start in 2024 and I'm going to go back to what I said earlier in the show. I've just seen the level and, and maybe Sam Hartman is a testament to this. Maybe Gino Godouli is a testament to this. Uh, maybe we give some props to Jared Parker as well, but in the last year, Uh, specifically the last eight months, I've seen the level of Notre Dame's quarterback play just rise. And yeah, that's Sam Hartman. We've talked about him two or three times on this show already, and we're going to continue to talk about him probably every single Monday. Um, But it's Steve Angeli too, and it's Kenny Minchie, and it's even the walk-on Dylan DeVezin who comes in. And if you've got a guy who comes in and walks onto a team and says, you know what, I'm not going to throw passes for this team because you got all these other guys, but I'm going to work my way onto the field as the starting holder. I think that's a mentality in this room that these guys are pretty good. And Steve Angeli, no matter what you want to say about him, I'm going to say good things about him. He's a part of that. He's looked really good, uh, accurate, making the right decisions. Um, We'll see what the intangibles look like. You never know until you're in the fire in a game day. And I hope for his sake and for everyone's sake that follows this football team, that comes as soon as this weekend, like no, like Notre Dame is up 35 points and they give Angelia a quarter and let him throw the ball five times. We need to see what that looks like, even if it's against Navy or Tennessee State or whoever. But yeah, to answer the question, Steve Angeli could start in 2024. Wow. Love it. Love
0: it. I can tell by some of the comments, people are excited to hear about the depth of the quarterback room. Hey, let's face it, the, the quarterback recruiting needed to get better. And as soon as Marcus Freeman walked in the door working with Tommy Reese, it started to get better. And I've been impressed with Gadoole. Based on what Mike Singer has been, you know, talking about on my show about Gadoole, he's not afraid to go after the best of the best and not maybe settles the wrong word, but until you get a no, go after the best. And that's the way it should be at Notre Dame.
1: Yeah. And then no matter who you get, if it's the five-star, who's the fifth ranked player in the class or Mike probably knows Angeli's rankings off the top of his head. They were probably <laughs> too low. And I probably agree that they were too low. I don't know what they are. But if it's the, the five star, or if it's and if it's Angeli, you got Gino Guadulli to develop that guy. Recruiting, number one, yes, it all starts with that. I mean, that's how you get these guys on campus. Number two, a very close second, development. And Gino Guadulli, man, it was awesome watching him in fall camp. Chancy Stuckey has always been my favorite coach to watch when we're privy to these 30 minutes, sometimes even two hours of watching these guys interact with their players. Gino Gadulli quickly rose up that list in the last year for me, just because uh, he's able to be hands-on in a way that eh, Tommy Reese wasn't. Or conversely, if Tommy Reese was very hands-on with the quarterbacks, that means Tommy Reese wasn't with the running backs or the receivers or the tight end or the offensive line. So having him solely dedicated to Angelli, Minchi, and even and even Hartman, obviously, it's been awesome. He's um, – I wouldn't call him an unsung hero because we sing his praises here, but for people who are very surface level watching Notre Dame and they don't understand what Gino Guduli has meant to this program in the last eight months, uh, you'll probably hear me talk about him a lot this season and, and into spring ball next year for as long as Notre Dame has him. I'm going to be hyping that guy up. He, he's a pretty cool coach and a fun one to watch.
0: All right. That hour went by really, really fast.
1: Hey, yeah, I know. Was-
0: Monday afternoon football talk here on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel, our debut broadcast of the Hey Horka segment. So first we need to thank all our viewers for tuning in and also all the comments, all the questions that you guys posted. We greatly appreciate that. And I guess Tyler remind folks all the content they'll find at blueandgold.com.
1: Yeah, it's game week. So it's starting now. Um, We had some things go up from Marcus Freeman's press conference already as soon as I get off of here, I'm going to write some more. So go to blueandgold.com, doing an awesome job covering that, covering the player availability from Tuesday night. Uh, again, it's if you go to blueandgold.com and, and you haven't signed up already, that's your first mistake. But we're going to gift you with 50% off of a yearly subscription for new subscribers only. So if somehow you haven't signed up yet, you do get the benefit of 50% off, but throughout the the week this week, we will have tons and tons of content. Um, Me and Mike Singer were talking earlier today before we got on here about maybe some cool things, some special things that I can do from Ireland because I will be there um, Thursday night. I leave, so I'll get there Friday um, midday. I ain't going to sleep. I'm going to get some content for you guys. Maybe sneak a Guinness in there somewhere. I'm not a, a huge Guinness guy, but uh, Win in Rome, I guess Win in Dublin, you drink, yeah. you drink Guinness, um, but yeah, blueandgold.com. and And then obviously we're going to have tons of video content here on this channel. Uh, so subscribe and like this video, subscribe to this YouTube channel, like this video. You're going to see this format. Hey Horka with me and Darren every Monday uh, for the next really, 12 weeks, 13 weeks, whatever it is, the next three months. Uh, and again, the only way to ask questions that are for sure going to make it on the show without popping in, on the YouTube here and doing some live comments is to subscribe to blueandgold.com. I will be posting a message board thread every single Sunday, asking for your questions about Saturday's game, previewing the next Saturday's game. And I'm going to pick probably the best five and we're going to be on here for an hour like we were today and uh, have a really good Notre Dame football conversation. I I think this was awesome. And, you know, I got to give one more shout out to uh, Augie's locker room too. It's going to be presented by Augie's locker room for the next couple weeks at least. If you're going to the Tennessee State game in a week, a week and a half, go to Augie's locker room. He's got the hookup on all things Notre Dame. But until then, again, this YouTube channel, subscribe, like, go to blueandgold.com, subscribe, subscribe. And, um, yeah, I I think this is going to be pretty awesome to do this every week with you, Darren.
0: And just want to mention to your viewers that Tyler and Mike are a part of my radio show here in South Bend, which is on from 5 to 7 Eastern time. If you're in South Bend, it's 960 AM WSBT. You can listen to it live at WSBTradio.com. So Mike will be on tomorrow talking recruiting, and Tyler, you'll be back on Wednesday at 6.05 to talk a little more Notre Dame football. So yeah, we're in football mode 24-7 around these parts, and really looking forward to adding this to my list of things to do during the Notre Dame football season. So Tyler, a pleasure to talk to you, and Thanks to all our viewers for checking us out today. And once again, we will see you next Monday at 3 o'clock Eastern time. Hey, Horka, on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel. For Tyler Horka, I'm Darren Pritchett. So long and go Irish.